who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Singularity by Bill DeSmet. Copyright 2004 by William H. DeSmet. All rights reserved. Chapter 17. Buy-in. You don't look so hot, John, Mariana said as Knox shambled into her stateroom for their 3 p.m. Actually, he felt okay, considering he hadn't gotten to sleep till sunrise. The late night with Sasha had left him with too much to think about and no way to turn the thoughts off. Things he'd avoided thinking about for years, and now he remembered why. He'd felt like shit when he'd dragged himself out of his cabin shortly before twelve, but an afternoon of basking in the restorative rays of the sun had pumped him back up to maybe eighty-five percent. I wouldn't mind the insomnia so much if only I could sleep through it. He smothered a yawn. Of course, the way they keep changing the time around doesn't help. Rusalka was running full bore, almost due east, the two hours they'd already moved the clocks ahead translated into one-twelfth of a day in lost sack time. Are you sure you're up to this? Knox nodded cautiously, trying to sync the movement with the residual throbbing in his head. I'll manage. Let's do it. He could tell she was getting antsy, not to mention heartily sick of faking a becoming ineptitude at skeet-shooting, archery, and all the other paramilitary recreations Rusalka had on tap. It must have been a relief for her to come back to the stateroom and review the nearly forty hours of data they'd captured, courtesy of Grecian's own chartroom surveillance arrangements. So, altogether, that makes three shifts in a day and a half, Mariana summarized the findings. Three visits, more like, each lasting about half an hour, one at 6.30 yesterday morning, then again at 6.30 in the evening, finally the one at 8.30 this morning. With me so far? The clipped efficiency of her wrap-up was rendered slightly incongruous by the fact that she delivered it wearing nothing more than a body-hugging yellow sunsuit. Knox nodded again. Not to be outdone, he was attired in swimming trunks and a windbreaker. As far as he was concerned, all client conferences could be like this. Nubile, scantily clad young females, and not a three-piece suit in sight. 
At least now we know where Galia had dinner last night, he said. Uh-huh. I was kind of surprised to see that, but it was her pulling the evening shift all right. Knox waited, but Mariana didn't elaborate on why she found Galina's involvement so surprising all of a sudden. What about our early riser, the guy in the checkered shirt, he asked, referring to the man they'd watched descending into the shaft on both mornings. Could he be one of your missing magnet guys? Hmm. Take away the beard, and it could be Kamarov. We'll put a name to the face some other time. Right now there's something else we need to focus on. Knox straightened up and did his best to look alert. Which is? The duty schedule. I mean, twelve hours between the first two visits, then only ten hours till the third? What's going on? When's the next one going to be? Through the fog of sleep deprivation, Knox glimpsed the outlines of an answer. Um, let's try flipping the perspective here. What if whatever they're working on isn't on board this ship? Boat, Mariana corrected. Then, how does that explain anything? Take another look at the timing. 6.30 a.m. and p.m. yesterday. Then today, it jumps to 8.30 a.m. He paused for effect. Now, what happened at midnight last night? Oh, right. They reset the clocks. And the spy cams on ship's time, he said. The two-hour discrepancy between yesterday's interval and today's is just an artifact of Rusalka's own passage through the time zones. If you shift your point of view and think of the secret lab monitoring something at a fixed point on the globe, then whatever it is repeats every 12 hours at um, half past 11 GMT, morning and evening. So the lab should empty out as of 9 tonight? Uh-huh. And stay empty till 10.30 tomorrow morning. He smiled at him. Thanks, John. Sounds like I go in tonight at midnight. That brought Knox full awake. Huh? Well, sure. She kicked off her sandals and draped one languorous leg over the arm of her chair. Seeing as how you just proved there won't be anybody in the lab, then, what do you think this was? Some theoretical exercise? I've got to come up with an action plan here. Uh-oh. Served him right for showing off. Hold on, I didn't prove anything. What do you mean? You yourself said... I know what I said, Knox swallowed. He'd created a monster. It's just... Do you know the old engineering joke? The one that goes, if you need a straight-line fit, plot only two data points? Humor was a consultant's secret weapon, a guided missile that sails in under the radar, bearing insight as its payload. Would it work here? Help the client appreciate just how risky it was to go off half-cocked like this? Mariana laughed, then frowned. You're saying we still don't have enough hard data to move on this. Not enough to trust our lives to. And from what you've been telling me about the dark side of Grecian enterprises, that's exactly what we'd be doing. But we've tracked three occurrences already. Mariana had both feet back on the floor now. She was leaning forward, re-engaged. My point exactly. We've got three dots on a page, and you're trying to connect them up into the Mona Lisa. You'd know better if... He stopped himself before he could complete the thought this weren't your first field assignment. What about your pattern-matching thingy? That's just connect the dots, too, isn't it? No, it's subconscious. Whatever its other failings, the subconscious mind has got a firm grip on reality. And I don't, you're saying. 
I'm just saying we don't know how real this supposed duty schedule is. Until we understand what's really going on down in that lab, we won't know if the timing of the visits isn't just random chance, like a roll of the dice. But you're thinking like a gambler, convinced the last roll influences the probabilities on the next. So we wait for what? Total certainty? That's not an option and you know it. Oh, Lord, another client hell-bent for disaster and intent on taking him with her. All right, here's an option for you. Knox took a deep breath. I'll go. Come again? She had to fight to keep from laughing. Face facts. I'm a better observer than you. It's what I do for a living. And I read Russian. Fluently. Stands to reason I could pick up the same amount of information in maybe half the time. That alone cuts the risk by 50%. The remarks rankled, but Mariana was damned if she'd show it. Just like a, a consultant. To try getting you so mad you started saying stupid stuff and wound up doubting your own competence. Sweet reason, then. Even if what you say were so, John, it wouldn't work. One of us has to be in the wheelhouse distracting the bridge crew. And as you just finished pointing out, your Russian's a lot better than mine. Find a way to improve the odds, then, if you're so set on doing it yourself. Why are you making this so goddamn difficult? Can't you be a team player for once? Believe me, he said. You don't want that. Unless the only thing Crom hired me for was my entree with Sasha. He paused, as if waiting for her to say it wasn't so. Don't hold your breath, John. Anyway, he went on, if there's any value added I can contribute here, it's because I'm not a team player. How's that? I'm trying to give you an objective assessment of our chances. I couldn't do that if I was part of your chain of command. I'd be worrying about who I was pissing off, how I was screwing up my year-end review, my chances for promotion, all the things worker bees have to get past before they say word one. So no, don't think of me as being on your team, Mariana. Think of me as the umpire. Mariana held her head in her hands. It wasn't enough that she was working the biggest case of her career. Hell, the biggest case in Crom's history, all by herself. No, she had to have the hired help questioning her authority at every turn. Umpire indeed. Still, she needed him to make this work. Not looking up, she said, Okay, final offer. We hold off till 8.30 tonight and see if that duty cycle of yours still checks out. Not much of a concession there. She had to wait for dark anyway. If it does, we go at midnight, she finished. Hey, at least this way you get another data point for your collection. And if it doesn't, check out, that is. Then we need a new theory. And congratulations, you've bought yourself a whole nother day's delay. But if it does, she went on, if Galena's evening visit comes off right on schedule, I want you behind me a hundred percent on the follow-up, agreed? What? Has it even occurred to you to prepare for something going wrong? Ease down, John. I've done my homework. Most of it, anyway. As for the rest, well, no time like the present. I just hadn't gotten to the contingency part, is all. But now that you bring it up, how's this? You play lookout again, but this time we rig you for sound. Wearable microphone and an ear insert for reception. She crossed to her dresser and rummaged through her utility kit. Then, she said, I go in with the earphones on. 
you've got a mate to my call box on the mic unit. You chat up the bridge crew like before, only now you've got a panic button, just in case. Hit it, and I'll tune in and hear what's going down in time to run for cover. He eyed her sharply. You're making this up as you go along, aren't you? She thought about bluffing, but what was the use? He was reading her like a book. Uh Uh-huh, she said. Have I got your buy-in anyway? He looked dubiously at the microelectronics resting in the palm of her hand. After a long moment, he reached out and took them from her. You're the client. Just make sure you record everything. And Mariana? Hmm? Nothing. Just try to think patterns. Buy-in was on Pete Aristos's mind, too. Had been the whole drive into D.C., and all the way up to the top floor of the Forestall Complex, the Energy Department's headquarters. He stepped off the elevator and scanned the nearly empty hall in search of his target. Then he was striding purposefully toward the small gray sparrow of a man standing by the entrance to the executive conference room. Ray, he blurted out, even before he got to within handshake distance. Tell me you've got Gallagher on board with this thing. Raymond Hartog, director of the DOE Critical Resources Oversight Mandate, gave a dry chuckle. Hello to you too, Pete, he said. Oh yeah, sorry, hi, Pete said. Then, well, what about it? Ray tilted his grizzled head back a bit, the better to look his subordinate in the eye. Then he put on his dour Dutchman's frown and said, It's still a toss-up, Pete. I can't make any promises. Shit, what can you do? Pete knew better than to voice the thought aloud, of course, but some echo of it must have crossed his face, because when he reached for the door handle, Ray laid a hand on his arm. Pete... A warning note crept into the reedy voice. When we get in there, you're to follow my lead, understood? You talk if the secretary asks you a direct question, or if I hand off to you. Other than that, your scenery. Got it? Jesus, Ray. There are lives at stake here. Your Miss Bonaventure knew the risk she was taking. And she'd better not be wrong about the whole lot more, either. We're going to look bad enough if we're right. Ray's next words came out in a strained, near whisper. Now, we're going to play this my way or not at all. I say again, have you got that? Got it. Pete had seen it before. There was something about breathing the rarefied air of the higher bureaucratic altitudes that eventually killed off the little gray cells. Ray had held out as long as most, maybe longer, but if he could really seriously fret about appearances in the face of a threat to national security... Pete sighed and shuffled to one side, letting Ray ease the heavy oak doors open just wide enough to stick his face in. Ray! The raspy voice issuing from the other side was one part septuagenarian, two parts drill instructor. Get in here! Following his boss into the gymnasium-sized conference room, Pete couldn't help notice how Ray hunched his thin shoulders like a dog about to take a whipping. Pete looked up and saw why. There, at the far end of a mahogany table long enough to bowl on, sat Helen Artemis Gallagher of the Boston Gallaghers, former junior secretary from the great state of Massachusetts and, by the grace of God and the patronage of the president, for the past seven months energy secretary of these United States of America. 
Pete had only ever seen her at the bi-monthly DOE all-hands get-togethers. It was different being in the same room with her. Up close, her steely gaze was more than a match for the iron gray of her close-cropped hair. Tough as nine-inch nails was the word on the street, committed to twisting department policy into whatever shape the exigencies of administration politics dictated. Ray swallowed and said, Good afternoon, Madam Secretary. Sit down, Ray, she replied. You too, uh, Pete. We haven't got all day. You know everybody, right? Uh-huh. Hi, Nate. Hi, Don. Ray flashed a tentative smile at the two men flanking the secretary. Pete just nodded. He knew them, if only by reputation. The bald, bearded guy in bifocals and shirt sleeves perched on Gallagher's right was Nathan Hornstein, deputy administrator for the Defense Nuclear Non-Proliferation Program and Ray's immediate superior. Across the table from him sat his boss, Donald Skatizzi, undersecretary for nuclear security, his substantial girth camouflaged by a tailored natural linen suit. Mutt and Jeff, the two were called, less for their physical contrast than their complementary talents. Hornstein, the department's top nuclear technology dweeb, Skatizzi, its master negotiator. So, Gallagher said, what brings you boys in from the boonies on a Sunday afternoon? What's this all about? She tapped a polished fingernail on a three-ring binder lying on the table in front of her. Its cover bore the words, Operation Tsunami, over a DOE seagull and the requisite security notifications. Make it good, she went on. Make it worth missing my grandniece's birthday party. I'm sorry if we interrupted your weekend, Madam Secretary, Ray began. This was the only open slot on your calendar before your Far East trip. As to the reason for the meeting, it's all spelled out in the executive summary. I've read it. I don't see the urgency. Tsunami's a contingency plan. No more, right? Well, yes, in a manner of speaking. It's just that we feel we uh, may need to be in a position to action that contingency in the near future. The near future, Gallagher echoed. When, exactly? Ray's Adam's apple bobbed again. Uh, this week? This week? She turned Hornstein's way. Nathan? Hornstein got the message. These were his people, his problem. He peered over his spectacles and fixed Ray with a gimlet stare. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ray. But what you're advocating here is that the United States commit an act of piracy. Ray flushed all the way up to the hairline. Um, I realize it might look that way on paper, Nate, but, uh... He looked to Skatizzi for support, but the undersecretary was busy studying the intricacies of the conference table's grain. Hornstein slid a sheet of paper over to Gallagher. She picked it up and began reading from it. Interception of a foreign flag vessel on the high seas. Boarding in international waters with the option of commensurate response in the event of resistance. Inspection with a view to... She set the paper down. Now look, guys, I'm no admiralty lawyer, but this sounds like it'd be out of bounds on Lake Michigan. Madam Secretary, Pete jumped in before Ray could cave altogether. Can I say something? Somebody better. Grecian Enterprises is under suspicion of trafficking in WMD expertise. Three counts. I've got operatives in place aboard the target vessel right now, trying to make that case stick. If they do, 
We've got to be ready to move, or we could lose the evidence and my people. And one of those people is Mariana. What Pete is saying, Scatizzi said, still not looking up, is we have reason to believe GEI is violating international covenants on non-proliferation to the detriment of U.S. national security. We'll want to coordinate with our NATO partners, of course, but the only remedy available to Grecian enterprises themselves would be to bring suit against the United States government in an international tribunal. Under the circumstances, I'm confident that tribunal would find for us. It's the same as a raid on a terrorist base, Madam Secretary, Ray chimed in. Bigger than most, maybe, but no different in principle. If he was pissed at Pete for talking out of turn, it didn't show. What about the Russians? Gallagher asked. A boat belonging to one of their nationals, flying their flag? They may not sit still for an interdiction, no matter how justified. I was on the phone with Vitaly Rumyantsev all Friday afternoon, Ray said. He's IPP coordinator for the Russian Republic, the guy on the receiving end of the proliferation prevention funding stream. He's not in love with the search and seizure concept, but he's even less thrilled by the process of an aid freeze. The way we left it, as long as we can keep this from becoming a national sovereignty issue, the Kremlin will pretty much stay out of it, limit itself to proforma soundbites. You know, we do not support but will not oppose, that sort of thing. Pete waited. But Ray had evidently said all he was going to. Judging by Gallagher's expression, it hadn't been enough. Madam Secretary, there's something else. Go on. She favored Pete with a this-better-be-good look. Well, I don't have Ray's kind of access, understand. My contacts are more at a worker bee level, but he took a deep breath. It's just I get the sense the Russians wouldn't be all that bent out of shape if we took Grecian down for them. The head of their third largest corporation? Hard to believe, I know. It's just that last March, we hosted this joint CROM FSB workshop out in Chantilly. You know, get to know our Russian partners for peace. Touchy-feely, team-building type stuff. So, five o'clock Friday rolls around, and some of us head over to Sully Plaza for drinks. I wind up sitting around shooting the sh- that is, talking to Volodya Kalugin. He's in charge of REAC Ops for Greater Moscow. Seems like a good guy. What's your point? Well, we must have been on our third round or so when, out of the blue, he starts talking about how their head honcho's got this wild hair up his uh, nose on account of he's really got it in for this one oligarch, but it's like the guy's untouchable, too well connected, too well protected. Protected from the Russian government? Skatitsi sounded incredulous. I'm just telling you what the man said, but there's more. Volodya leans over and tells me, in his real low voice, that there's some kind of bad blood between the president and this guy, from a way back, from when they used to work for the same firm back in the old days. The KGB? Gallagher arched an eyebrow. And do you think he was talking about Grecian? I can't say for sure. Background checks have turned up zip for links between Grecian and the KGB, shadow or not. But think about it. The Russians know Krom's been sniffing GEI over. How much of a stretch is it to read this whole thing as a tactical leak? You're suggesting, Gallagher said slowly, that your Mr. Kalugin divulged this, this 
Oh, hell, it's not even information, is it? These hints and innuendos deliberately, on orders from his higher-ups? Pete shrugged. It's the way they've always done business. You know, rumors and all. So, Gallagher steepled her fingertips, we might, in fact, be doing them a favor. We'd have to confirm that informally, of course. But if it turns out they want it bad enough, hmm. She got to her feet. The rest of the room rose with her. A smile crinkled her cheeks for the first time. Okay, boys, you've got my buy-in. This has still got to go to the top of the tree, you understand. But the man's been looking for a quid pro quo now that Moscow's listening to reason on the Moldava situation. Crazy as it sounds, an act of piracy could be just what the doctor ordered. Listening to Singularity by Bill DeSmet.